This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. We're always having fun on the program. Great conversations, a lot to learn, but a lot of laughs, smiles. Sometimes, though, we got to get downright serious, Brock. We were talking on the break, you know, of course, getting these eye appointments, it costs a lot for people who don't have coverage to go in and do that. Um, It's something that we tend to maybe rob from Peter to pay Paul when it comes to it, or we just don't. And until we say, hey, there's floaters, there's fog, what's going on with my eye? And then as... Uh, Dr. Monet said, you then go in, you get checked, and yeah, you wouldn't have known because this is a silent, the symptoms are silent. Anyway, folks, uh, Kelly McDonald here with... Uh, Brock Richardson, sorry, forgot about that, off the top, coming to you from Kitchener. Yeah, I'll apologize. I got running on before uh, before (laughs) bringing them in. Um, So it becomes one of those things that really... uh, you know, you, you know the situation, people and finance and afford it. But it's, again, you know how we talk about people who may not get medications because they got to feed the family. There's always those things uh, that we tend to make weight or think, well, I can wait on. And the easy answer is always, well, if you came yearly, yeah, but to do that for some people, coming yearly is not possible. And so the answer shouldn't be from your eye doctor. Well, we might have caught this if you did your annual exams because everyone's situation is different. And when you can get your eyes checked. Yeah. And it is important. And I know some, as someone with an eye condition, I certainly don't get looked at uh, as much as I should. We love visiting with our committee reporters, folks. Mathieu Rochette joins us now with news from Montreal. It's been a while since we've talked to you, old friend. How are you? Very good. I know it's been a really long time. Happy new year though. Maybe it's too late. Thank you. Spirit's still there. We, How are you, trying? I'm doing well, and my my view on the Happy New Year is: if you haven't seen people, you're still entitled to wish them a happy. Okay. New Year. <laughs> so, 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 so he'll be saying it in July to some people, which is well, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, if they don't mind, mm-hmm. uh, let's jump into your first topic: the yellow door. Yes. Okay. This is uh, this is really extraordinary, nice organization. I really, really like it. Um, so it's a nonprofit organization being created in 1972. And what they do is they, um, the main goal is to prevent premature institutionalization, sorry to kill the world, the word, um, by uh, fostering um, by fostering intergenerational uh, relationship. And this is why I've been okay. it's the way that they achieve the goal is the matching young, young volunteers with senior in our community. And this is just that it is perfect as it is. Like it's with lately with the pandemic and more like with the social media, we losing a lot of human contact. And, mm-hmm. and I really like, like the way that they keep um, senior active, it, it, it's just, just casual activity, indoor plan. Uh, go visiting museum, uh, having session of, uh, you know, nutrition and stuff like this. And it's, and it's just perfect, right? I mean, you are young, right? And when we become older, it is quite the circle of life. We're losing, uh, unfortunately, some physical capacity. That is mm-hmm. sad, yeah. but this is, I mean, this is the way it is. And so sometimes things that, that might take hours to then to, you know, I don't know, uh, fill up the computer forms or just go grocery, stuff like this might take just five minutes of us, just not mm-hmm. because we're smarter, just because we're younger. That's it. That's all. And, and, and think how great it is, how stories they got, experience and Yes, you can read books, and I, I mean, go read. It's really good. But also, you can learn having learning stuff from them experience yep. and having fun playing cards, drinking tea, whatever you like. It's, it's, it is free. It is just, for me, it is, it is perfect. It is great things. One day you might need, because 
we are young, but we will be a senior eventually. Mm-hmm. I think, I really think this is good for them. They'll be good for us. We need to go and help them. If you don't have the time, let's say you don't have the time, you can still do a donation, whatever, right? So you're 55 years old and more. It is free to join uh, the Yellow Door. If you are young and you want to go help, go learn, go, you know, do activities with, you know, with great with great people, you just need to go at yellowdoor.org, write an email or write an email at a full yellowdoor.org. All information is there. There is great video um, on the website that. Um, well, share the experience of a young person and a senior and then good time they have together. Um, and, 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 and that's it. It's, it's, yep. it's just good. Go help and you will receive help eventually. It is just a win-win situation. I just want to add to that. It's so beautiful because if you're a curious person, an older per- curious person, younger curious, doesn't matter. If you get that chance to talk to one or the other while you're getting things done, you're so much richer for that gap that may exist, you know, Mm -hmm. between you, the generation behind you, or whatever you want to say, that is kind of letting you fill some of the things in. Be current. Or if you're a younger person, learn how come we may say some of the things we do when someone says, yeah, my father used to say that to me. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So really nice, Matthew. Thank you for bringing that one. Your next one is one that's really also interesting. Street crossings, universal accessibility measures, and active mobility public hearings. Tell us more. Yes, I think, you know, just the title say everything that they do. Um, so I, I received that, e- I saw that uh, email like a few weeks ago. So it's the Commission de Transport et Travaux Publics from Montreal. They have two sessions open for, they want, they want to hear our need. They want to hear what is already there and how to improve it. So Yes, they could do like thinking this is this is the best, but I mean we are the one who's using it. Uh, you know, us as a blind, but you could be also like in a wheelchair. You could be a senior. It's it's all universal accessibility in town. So there is three way you can share your opinion. Your opinion. The first thing is to register on the city hall, uh, Montreal.qc, the uh, Ville Montreal.qc.ca, uh, sorry, um, and share your opinion in, in, in person on the March 13 and the 27th. Um, you can also fill up a questioning form on, online, or you can write in a letter you can record yourself in an audio or videotape and send them uh, by the March 31st. Again, on your opinion, on your ex- how you experiment uh, the accessibility in town. Um, yeah. Everything will be uh, revealed on May 10th. The result, yeah, the May 10th, the result of the study. And look, guys, <laughs> it's not the first time I talk about accessibility and stuff. Every day, I know, Kelly, I know, bro, you have also a uh, reality that we're not living in the same place, but it's kind of common that sometimes crossing street with no sunlight or uh, right during the sun- winter when there's uh, two feet of snow blocking the corner street, it is sometimes a real nightmare. Mm. I don't want to, like, you know, cry and stuff like people think eyes oh, again yelling and it's just like this is a reality that accessibility need to be improved it might be better it may be better now than it was uh, 10 20 30 years ago but the reality well, we're not is, there n- no, no we're not oh. 
And, and we're talking and, life and death. As much as we get saying, I don't want to be a squeaky wheel, I don't want to whine. But when you're talking about somebody not being able to properly line up to make a crossing or a wheelchair not being able to get through or getting stuck or toppling over, it becomes from, oh, this is a complaint to, yeah, this death. And that's that is absolute as serious as it gets. But guys, yes. if we're not if we're not the squeaky wheels, who is going to be? Like how would anyone people, ever know yeah. there was a problem without the need? Oh, I hear that wheel. That must need need some tending. Yeah, right. And until the person you know um, gets seriously injured, that's when we have these conversations, and we we want to avoid these Matthew, where it's like. We don't want these. And so I like the idea that they're, you know, really encouraging people, come give us your experience of using these and what's the mobility like. The worst thing is when you're trying to get to a bus in a in a wheelchair and you can't get there because the snowbank is piled up on the, you know, on the curb cutout. It's just awful. Yes. And and, and I'll just, you know, quickly give just a simple example. In, in uh, not so far from my house, just two street or quite big, okay? There's like, and on top of it, it, they're not straight. There's a weird angle of about maybe 30 to 40 degrees. So you cannot walk straight. If you do, well, eventually you'll be just in the middle of the street. So they, 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 when they, 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 uh, they put like three out of four sunlight, okay? <laughs> three out of four. Not four, mm -hmm. three out of four. No. So you can yeah. cross A to B, A to D, D to A, B to A, but you cannot go B to C, C to D, etc. So basically, you can just say one side of the street. And and when I did my mobility training uh, years ago there, um, it was it, it's a busy street. So when mm -hmm. you walk and you have to go walk in diagonal. Because you cannot walk straight, and there's buses coming in front of you all the all traffic. directions. Oh, yeah, wow! Yeah, no, Matthew, it makes no sense, but they need to hear the stories. I love the fact that they make it so you can yeah. record them. My friend, we'll put this up at ami.ca/slash Kelly Co. so people can go. They can at least take in the live stream if anything. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next month. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Community reporter Matthew Rochette joining us from Montreal, covering off some things going on up there. Coming up in a moment after the break, Mandy McLean is the project coordinator for the W. Ross McDonald and Prologue Performing Arts Project. We find out more about this fantastic collaboration in two minutes. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. So today on the program, co-hosting with me is uh, the host of The Neutral Zone. So let me tell you a little bit about that program because I've got to advertise it while he's sitting here. On this week's edition, producer Jeff Ryman. Well, nice to know Jeff Ryman's on the program. He joins Brock and Josh. They're going to be discussing the importance of grassroots sports organizations. They'll have some Super Bowl talk to throw in there, of course, who's going to win and what prop bets have caught their eye as we uh, did the other day uh, with Brock on the show just for fun. That's the Neutral Zone airing Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. It's also available as a podcast and YouTube podcast, so you can check them out and enjoy them sitting there right there in front of you on your TV. Chatting sports, always a fun thing. Not so fun a thing, Brock, what we were talking with Matthew Rochette a few moments ago, our community reporter in Montreal. Have you had that terrible occasion? You're going along a sidewalk in your chair and all of a sudden in the snowy weather, even post-snowy weather, there's that big mound of snow that someone has conveniently left in the middle of, of the grade to go down onto the road where you would that you absolutely need to use. Yes, and I have had... What do you do? you get really upset uh, because... Because even if there's opening enough on either side, it's either side for people generally walking, not for the width of a wheelchair, I would imagine, or it puts you, yeah. as you go over the one side of it, into traffic. Yeah, and there's that other, that other thing that I've had happen, Kelly, which is really even more annoying, and it's happened to me conveniently when there's one accessible parking spot uh, 
re remaining and they tend to put the snow pile in the accessible yeah. spot instead yeah. of off to the side and it's like really because now i can't use it period because it's covered like right in the middle of the and, and of the park i don't know how this became a thing like i don't know you, you, i don't know you wouldn't i understand limited space but I don't understand if you've got to fill a parking spot, which, I mean, any business would say, what are you doing? Taking one of my spots. I don't have enough as there is for all my customers. What, why would you pick the one that is the one that somebody doesn't have any real choice for? It's kind of like when people line up in them, you know, especially during the pandemic, if you had to go into places mm -hmm. and people were lined up all around, zigzag, whatever, giving the, the, the distance, the five feet distance, and people would be in parking spots. And always, yeah. of course, because it's closest to the door, the accessible spot for people. And, and, and you're, you know, you're seeing people line up. And you, if you were trying to line up, you're stuck going there too. If it happens to be where the end of the line is, and you can tell people all you want, hey man, guys, we shouldn't be lined up there. What? You know, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna look at you with a blank expression. And I, I don't get <laughs> it. What do you mean? Why not? And whether consciously or not. Uh, people, I believe, got into that spot because it's the wider of the spot, so you could fit more people in, more snow. in the, the bigger <laughs> spot. And, and I get crazy. it. It's just so frustrating because it's like, really, if you have to use this, you're not going to know unless you have to use it. But to explain it sometimes, it's like, guys, this is so simple. It's frustrating. So really mm. did enjoy that conversation uh, with Matthew as we often do and he made us go scratch our heads and go hmm, this is good but so, still room for improvement what have you done at those curb cuts since i i interrupted and we well we went on to talk about the snow but how have you navigated that you're on your own what do you do i'm very rarely on my own um i'm usually with someone in which then i you know that person is is able to go and alert somebody to can we get some help here and then you yeah. invariably get the response of oh, oh i'm sorry i'm so sorry you know we had lots of snow earlier today and you know but you know that that's the response and it's like it doesn't matter how much snow you get um <laughs> you know yep. you still shouldn't do it the problem i have kelly is when you it's okay to have a teaching moment as we talk about on this program um but it's um you know it's another thing to when you do it again and you say, well, I did I learn, you know, really always seems to be the way. Right. You'll come back another time. Same thing has happened because after they solved what they believe they did your situation, Brock, they forget to tell the you know company, hey, guys, can you not fill in the accessible spot? Yes. Uh, Kelly, every month we check in with our friends at W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind in Brantford, Ontario. This month, we're learning about a project in the drama class that they are involved in. Mandy McLean is the project coordinator for W. Ross McDonald and the Prelude uh, Programming Arts. And let's find out more about that. Mandy, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Is this, this is Brock that I'm talking to or is this Kelly? It, it is Brock. You are speaking. Hi, Brock. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Uh, Can you really tell us a little bit about this this project, if we could? Amazing. I'd love to. Uh, I am the uh, project coordinator between uh, Prologue Performing Arts and the W. Ross McDonald School out here in Brantford. Uh, I've been hired to come in and kind of be the facilitator and the person that brings all the amazing resources together. Uh, the intentions of the project uh, are to uh, figure out ways to include everyone from the very first initial stages of a piece of theatre all the way through to performance. Uh, is we've got the Canada Council uh, supporting us in that, and, and they've given us this amazing resource to do this work and ask these really big questions. Uh, it's going to be student-led and student-driven, so it's coming from all of these wonderful young people. And the idea is basically to figure out how to make theater better and how we can make sure that both artists with low vision are incorporated from the beginning and audiences with low vision uh, are able to engage with the material alongside those with vision. Uh, so it's a big project. We get two halves at it. We get this semester and next semester. And so, uh, it, you know, we're asking big questions and that are only going to lead to more questions. And so uh, <laughs> it's all going to culminate 
I know, right? It's huge. But it's all going to culminate you love in questions. year-end performance. I love questions. Yeah. I love big, shiny question marks. And so yeah. uh, it's all going to culminate in this end-of-the-year performance that they do every year. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, all different industry professionals to work with this group of young students uh, and the drama and the teaching staff here at W. Ross. And so who knows what we're going to cook up. But I think cooking is a really great adjective to use because we're in there, and I just left the drama class, and those kids are like, ready to do it and it's going to be awesome yeah it really is i mean when you get any opportunity and man it's kelly here when you get any opportunity to get a grant to be able to focus specifically on something because they'd like that and the, the students the people who are really most affected get a chance to say and 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 kind of help you through i know working here at ami over the years I've been involved in projects where we, as we started to put embedded description into things, once we got into the integrating it and making it happen, it was, how are we doing this? How does this work? How much yeah. is too much? How much isn't enough? So we had a lot of experiments like that. And and being involved in live theater as I've, I've been, I know we've also done some projects where, okay, we want to bring audio description to this. Well, do we have to? Do we pick a script or do we write totally. a script? That really is part of that. So I think these are really interesting questions and collaborations that, you know, you guys, W. Ross, uh, what's going to happen. Can you at all tell us at the stage you're at, what mm -hmm. is the project in the way of when we see this show in six months, almost five months, um, can mm -hmm. we get any hint to what kind of show? Is it going to be more of a oh my play, goodness. a musical all the kids. show? What? <laughs> Would they be mad if you all told us kids, too much? Yeah, yeah. All the kids just said, go in there and brag us up. Go in there and brag us up and be our, our hype lady and tell us. And I was like, oh, I know. I think right now, um, because it is student-led and student-driven, right now we're figuring out what do these kids want to talk about. And I think yeah. that that's the most important and valuable thing because, uh, you know, giving space to a young person to be seen and heard and valued is at, you know, as a professional artist, something that I stand by and firmly believe in. But I think it has to be for a project like this. You know, so I think I think you're going to see what they want to talk about and what they want to get messy and get ready and dirty with an audience with, you know. And I think right now we're figuring out, uh, you know, we posed a question to the class the other day. If they had uh, a million audience members, what would they want to what would they want to say to that audience? What would they want the audience to walk away from the performance thinking about, listening to, wanting to know more about? And the uh, questions that came back or, or the stuff they brought us back to the table was fascinating. So I'd say to answer your question, uh, what you're going to see is these kids in all of their virtuosic, beautiful, messy. 16, 17-year-old glory, making a big, wonderful, exciting mess on stage, which is a beautiful and powerful thing. So I'm going to just, before I let Brock back in here, how can the arts, what will the role of the arts community be as they get in there and help out with the mentoring of this creative process? What, what do you see or do we know yet with people that you're going to be bringing in there, what, what we see in that arts community role? Well, I think that's the question, right? I don't think we know yet. I think the question is the first action item, figuring out what the questions are. You know, how do we, you know, you get to bring a lighting designer in. Well, what is it that a lighting designer needs to ask in order to make this form better, right? And what does that lighting designer need to go to the director and say, well, how can I work in this ensemble, this group of artists more better and more strategically and clearer? And I think that, uh, you know, we're going to create we're going to create a, a project report at the end of this that gets brought back to the larger theater community. And I think it's going to be really specific things, you know, in terms of like adjustments that can be made in a creation timeline that sound needs to be brought in a lot earlier than what we traditionally think. Or, or possibly that, you know, maybe sound isn't needed at all. Or, you know, maybe we don't need to put as much production value that we usually do into costuming that we want to. Or maybe we do. And I think... Right now, we're in a place of asking questions, and I think if all that we come out of this semester is with further more detail in those questions, I think that it's a really positive thing that can then create growth and action forward. And where can we go to learn more about this if we wanted to? Great question. So part of this project and the final report that I need to do to the largest theater community and the Canada Council is uh, one of the things we're doing to kind of track the progress of the project because there is so many questions and so many 
unknowns and further questions that are coming out. Uh, we've created an audio archive of, of the project, uh, a podcast, if you want to refer to it in that way. It's going to be starting to be featured on the Prologue website. So the website for Prologue is prologue.org, or you can find it on our social media at, at prologuearts. Uh, so it's going to be an audio journal that tracks kind of what comes up in this process, you know, because it very much so is a process. There's no yeah. product oriented end result that we're trying to aim towards. It's great. What do we need to do differently? What are the ingredients we need to do in order, we need to have in the room in order to kind of take a step in the right direction. Uh, so this audio journal is going to be publicly available in order to have people listen in and see you know, what we're trying, what we're making mistakes in, and how we're trying to move forward. Uh, so you can get that on our website or at, at Prologarts. And that's great in because about, people can follow along and, and really feel the progress. Go ahead, Brock. In about 30 seconds, what is the most rewarding process for you with all this? Oh, geez, I think being in a room with young people. I think, you know, I'm I'm a professional artist living downtown Toronto in my mid-30s and that, you know, you very easily become very jaded in that process, you know, and I think, you know, being, I just left the class ceremony room to go. And I think uh, walking out of a room where a 17 year old could say, you can't stop me. I'm invincible to a group of their peers is an amazing thing. Totally. And I think that that's, yeah, it's incredible to see a 16 year old feel that and do that and take space. Nice. And it's just, Letting them be in a safe space and a safe environment. That's all we can ask for and show their creativity. Thank you so much for sp stopping by and telling us about the product project. We really appreciate it. We were joined by Thank Wendy McLean, project coordinator for W. Ross McDonald and uh, Prologue Performing Arts Program. W. Ross McDonald joins us once a month at this time of the month. We will uh, step aside, and uh, but boy, I love it. I, I love when opportunities like that happen, um, and I think she said it so well. It's getting there. It isn't necessarily the finished product. It's getting there. We'll be back in a couple of moments, and on our parenting segment, Lucia Belafonte talks about managing expectations so you and your child can thrive. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Brock and I are back for a little more program, folks. Uh, we have fun, of course, being here from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern because it's so loaded up with stuff. So when I say back for a little more show, well, you know, we've got still many conversations that'll happen. And I think this segment particularly, Brock, will bring us a lot. So uh, we thank you wherever you are listening in around the world. Maybe you're over there at AMI.ca streaming the show or listening out on OOTunes or TuneIn Radio, something like that. Watching us on your television across Canada. Now, it's time to have our parenting chat. We do this with Lucia Belafonte on the show, and it's always so much fun to get into these conversations. And, and today, this is usual, another really good one. Are you ready to learn, laugh, and maybe even cry a little? Join me, Lucia Belafonte, as we explore how disability can affect your parenting journey. I'll share advice and stories to help you grow in confidence and courage. Today, Lucia, I think we have a conversation that for some of us is probably going to bring back some absolutely wonderful memories and maybe some that aren't so great. As we discuss the subject of uh, managing expectations, um, Lucia, welcome back. And what would you say is the first step in managing those expectations? Thanks. It's good to be back. Um, I think the first step is really realizing that our expectations for our children can affect them both positively and negatively. And as a parent, I'm certain we want to affect our children in the most positive way possible. And so when we understand that an expectation is a strong belief that something's going to happen, um, we can connect to that. We know that if we're hungry, we can expect to feel full after eating. 
But I think that when we're thinking about and talking about our children, it's not so clear cut anymore. You know, the expectations that we hold for our children come from many places. Um, they can come from like a, a personal and cultural beliefs, personal experiences, and even from professional uh, resources um, and also information that we've read. Yes. That's always a good thing. Once you have a better understanding of your expectations, then where do we go, Lucia? Well, I think that, you know, when we understand that our expectations are are colored by a number of ways, you know, it helps us to understand ourselves better and then we can reflect a little bit more. So, for example, when, when I said, you know, culture might affect an expectation, so, uh, there are, might be a culture where they really value a child becoming a doctor, whereas another culture might really find that they want farmers. And so that trade is really um, valued. And we tend to think of what we value and what we want for ourselves sometimes for our children. I think it's important mm -hmm. as a parent to temper that and understand that we might have our own bias regards to what we are expecting from and for our children. Often we also can ex uh, have expectations based on our own experiences. And truthfully, you know, our children are their own unique beings. And so because we were able to accomplish something or because we have an interest in something, it doesn't necessarily mean then that our child can, you know, um, do that thing, right, or has that interest. And I think there's always room to constantly reflect both on our um, expectations, what we're thinking we want for our children, and then also what our children uh, actually do want for themselves. It's really tough, isn't it? Because you know it comes from a good place. A parent saying, mm -hmm. oh, I think this is great. Everybody in the family has has really achieved well we have that kind of mind for being mm -hmm. doctors i don't i don't want to be a doctor we love yeah. you know the whole what brings up being a what do you mean you don't want to be a doctor if that was some of those conversations that you can if you can have them some people not sure they feel that way because of like you say upbringing uh, where they come from but it is so hard to look at that and say hey you know what this individual this person who's their own person mm -hmm. also this is what they may, may not be great at. You know, we, yeah. we think about that every year when we watch the junior hockey tournament, how much pressure those poor kids are on because they're in Canada and they're Canadian kids <laughs> playing the big hockey, right? And you, you kind of yeah. push. And we've all done that, you know, even as support because you consider it supporting somebody. And it's, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're right. Like sometimes... It, as, a, as a parent, I think we constantly have, um, well, I'll speak for myself. There's always guilt about what you've done well, what you've not done well. And I think that when we, when we reflect and we understand our intentions and where they're coming from, it helps us to move forward. So you were saying, Kelly, about those expectations and then the pressure. And I always say, you know, I, I think of um, some of the students that I've met throughout my career Mm -hmm. and you know how sometimes parents have to temper those expectations and I like to say we have to temper expectations with optimism and realism and how do you do that well I think uh, one of the ways of being able to do that is understanding exactly who your child is and you know kind of what they're capable of within their own realm so let's yeah. say for example and and you know what and this actually happened where you know I had a student who came into my program because they had sustained a brain injury and so life for that child and their family really changed. And the expectation was that the child would now be able to learn, let's say, up to a grade six level. And so it's difficult to adjust. But, you know, I think when parents understand what that new benchmark is and what it means, it helps them to move forward. And, you know, I use the word benchmark, meaning like, what does it mean a grade six learning, you know, uh, grade level? And you can understand 
that maybe your child who you thought was now going to go to university, you've been told that's not going to happen. And I like the idea of optimism and realism, meaning we're optimistic that we can achieve beyond that, but we're going to be realistic and understand everything that is new or everything that we've been told and then work towards the greater goal. And how do we do that? I think we need to do that with kindness, with compassion, um, with patience. And a lot of listening to our children and also observing our children and making certain that we are not pushing them in a direction that, one, they don't want to go in. And then also, two, that maybe they're not either physically, emotionally or intellectually capable of going in. I think it's important for that. I think so. And and again, that comes into the real conversations that we need to Mm -hmm. have and a parent who has a child in high school Mm -hmm. um visa you know has to kind of like how can you best support that child visa those expectations right well you know the great thing about most i'm going to say most children in high school um is that they can verbally have a conversation with you right? right so you can communicate with your child you can communicate what your expectations are for them and their future and they can communicate what their needs and interests are as a parent it's great to know what the strengths and needs of your child are and we've talked about this many times before one of the ways that we do that you know know our child is through constant conversation keeping them involved with our life as we involved ourselves in their life and so i think that when we communicate with our child on a number of levels, not only when it comes to, you know, maybe reprimanding them about something or saying that we're disappointed about um, something that they've done. We don't want our conversations to be negative. We want them for the most part to be positive. And so we're building that rapport. We're building and reinforcing that bond so that our child then feels comfortable to speak with us. And when we have these conversations surrounding, you know, what perhaps our expectations are as a parent for our child's future, but most importantly, we share what we think, but we allow the child the opportunity to speak, the opportunity to share what they're feeling and what they are thinking and what they desire. I think that's critical in for our children to move forward in a really healthy way. Yeah, it is. And I think to to your point, I think it really mm-hmm. is important to recognize that the child also does have a voice. The child has thoughts and and feelings and those should be taken into account as well Mm -hmm. i think sometimes lucia we we sort of feel like this is what the and i'm putting this in quotes folks Mm -hmm. this is what the book says we should do this is this is what my parents did so therefore this is what i should do and so on and so forth and we forget sometimes children are not as robotic as it we we sometimes can make them out to be in that it's not a book and kids don't come with manuals, even though we'd love them to sometimes. And, you know, what do I do in, in this situation? Well, I'll go to chapter three and here's your answer. It's not that easy, Lucia, to do that, you know, and I and I think that's hard for parents to wrap their minds around. You know, that's a great point, Brock. And I, and I think when we think of like benchmarks, we, if we remember that a benchmark is there to help us understand typically where a child should be, and it's not because they must be there, but it's a benchmark, again, helping us to understand um, where those growth um you know, where where that child would be, sorry. And then it's kind of like we can reflect and say, okay, if my child is not meeting that expectation and they're not meeting it for, let's say, a month or maybe two months, it's what do I need to do? Is there something I need to worry about? And perhaps at that point, it's something that you speak with your family doctor about. Because it's at a flag. You're kind of... yes flagging it because you're at that point where you may want to look into that, may want to Mm. see what could be done to support and help. But you also have that Lucia from the child, the child who may say, my brother does this, or how come I'm not? And those Mm -hmm. are, that's a real serious conversation too to have. It is. But I think that, you know, when we remember that everyone is an individual and if we 
begin raising our children from the time they're young, particularly if they have siblings, by saying everyone has their own strengths. And I and and verbally, you know, tell them that you admire them for the strengths that they have. And when there's a need, support that need if the child wants to improve that need, for example. So um, for uh, I'm not very coordinated. It takes me a while to pick up on a on a step if I'm trying to learn something, let's say, for a, as a dance, for example. Right. You know, but but you might have a child who is not interested at all in doesn't want to improve in that area or you might have a child who's who's really challenged in the area of math but wants to do better then absolutely encourage that however you can to support your child and their desire as well you were going to say something kelly well no i was just thinking that uh, as we were talking and we were back mm -hmm. at the benchmarks that the importance of and again uh, we go back mm -hmm. to What's a hard thing to say because we all have expectations that sometimes it's the parents that say, well, geez, we'd like you to do follow in the footsteps of your father your or how come they're not here. But it's those questions that sometimes can be so lonely that when the child says, I struggle with this, you know, it's one thing mm -hmm. we're fine when, hey, man, I'm, I don't need to be good at math. I'm slow at it and I'm not going to do anything with it. So on right. to the things that I really want to focus on because they're part of the career I want to have. They're part of my development that I'm most interested in because it gets me from target A to target B. But we still in our heart can still feel, am I off here? Am I? And, and, and I think, like you said, the realistic conversations have to always mm -hmm. be there, that honesty with oneself. You, you know, if you're going to be honest with one person in your life, better be with yes. yourself. Yes. I, and I'm assuming you're talking from the point of view of, of a parent, right? Parent and, and the child, really. And you the know, child. Be, be yeah. honest with your own expectations and, mm. and try not, because I've, you know, I've seen enough people who obviously things, you know, in, in our world are uh, very seldom what we exactly want them to be. And probably if they were, life would be boring. Yes, you're right. And and it's, I think, it's such an important thing to be able to be honest with ourselves. And yeah. that's something we haven't talked about that yet. How do you raise a child to be introspective? And one of the ways of doing that, I think, is having these open and honest conversations with our children from the time that they're very young. And for ourselves as an adult to admit when we're feeling a certain way, right? We can say to our child, oh my gosh, I felt really uncomfortable today, or I felt really anxious because, you know, such such a thing happened and I wish I had dealt with it better. I didn't, but you know what? It's okay because now I've learned something and next time I, I can do it differently or to yes. be able to say, you know, I feel really sad. I really would have liked to have, have become an artist, for example, but no matter how hard I tried, I just wasn't at a professional level, but I like to draw and I just draw for myself and I enjoy that. So I think if we temper our raising our children with these types of conversations, then we normalize the fact that we can feel many things and that what we feel and how we feel is all okay. And I think that will help our children then to be able to look inward and understand themselves better. And then not just understand themselves better, accept themselves for who they are, as they are, and then share that with us as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Lucia, we got a minute. Any last thoughts? Last thoughts. Well, I, I like the idea of, you know, we all have expectations and we all have goals. And sometimes in life, as you said, Kelly, life is life. And so it throws us a curve. And so we just need to adapt. I think we need to remember that goals are important. Um, understanding those benchmarks are important, but we need to also understand everything else around us and accept the fact that sometimes we need to be really be flexible and Ideas have to change, goals might have to change, and that it's all good. And just love yourself and love your children. Mm. Really it's, wonderful. Um, love it. I love the openness and need of the chat. Go ahead, bro. It's really all a learning process. And I think that's the part that parents, children really need to understand is how mm. much of a learning process life is. 
It is. That's beautiful. It is. It's a life learning process for always. I mean, my children are, are now adults and we're still learning about each other. So uh, I really hope that parents and children understand that, you know, it doesn't end. That relationship doesn't end. And like you said, Brock, life is a learning process. Beautiful. You don't want it to end because that is the beautiful thing about that relationship. Lucia, mm -hmm. we'll talk to you next month as we talk to you on the first Tuesday of the month. We have our parenting chat right here on Kelly and Ramya and uh, always wonderful um kind of brings us back i think in a lot of different places as i guess childhood discussions one way or another always do up next folks we're going to wrap up the show we'll see what's going on tomorrow now with dave brown what they have in store for us we'll talk a little bit about this edition of kelly and ramya and tell you what we've got on tap tomorrow and get you set up we'll be back we'll be back with more of kelly and ramya after this short break Well, folks, we've uh, come to our last segment of the program. We've got a lot of information here in this segment. It's kind of crazy. We always have so much to talk about, especially mentioning the podcast. Subscribe in case you can't catch the show live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv or AMI-audio. Do visit the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. And maybe while you're in there, give us a rating and review. And we appreciate wherever you are listening and around the world and whatever way you consume the show. But we always like to mention a segment or two from the show that you may want to go back and listen to. Um, for me, Brock, I'm going to start today with our W. Ross segment and the wonderful theatrical collaboration. And I can't even necessarily call it theatrical because we really don't know as... This group gets together, and this collaboration that's happening, uh, Mandy was mentioning, and they start discussing from the students what they want this to be and how they want to tell the stories and how to teach when you talk about people with, with a disability, how do we best roll a show out for us? And this is an exploration. So it's kind of one of these neat projects where, yeah, yeah, there's an end goal, of course, but the process of getting there is going to teach a lot as well. So people may want to go back and check that segment out. Yourself, sir, what do you have for us? Um, I've, coming from a guy who has uh, seven animals in his house, and we learned with Dr. Danielle Johnkind about, you know, virtual medicine and the importance of, you know, what that can be used for and, and pros and cons. And I think the thing that sort of stuck out to me was do your homework and make sure that you know where you're getting the information and that the person has the ability to give you the information they're giving you and you're not getting, you know, falsified information um, based on them not being in the same country or province or things like that. So I thought it was a really great conversation with Dr. Danielle. Awesome conversation. Also, ladies and gentlemen, do not forget you have one day to uh, enter our contest for your opportunity to uh, win that Adaptive Pro uh, mattress. It's, it's just going to be a tremendous giveaway. All details available, ami.ca slash KR contest. You want to go read up on it and make sure you register. Paul Daniel joins us, one of the producers over there at Now at Dave Brown. He's with us to tell us about their show beginning at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Hey, Paul, how's today? Hey, Kelly, on tomorrow's show, uh, Amy Pollard, our columnist, will discuss the importance of organ donation and why people should consider being an organ oh, donor. Yes. We'll meet our much. newest contributor. Yep. We'll meet our newest contributor, Emily Shavers, who will tell us about her participation at the recent Ontario Paris Four Games and her recent victory as a Miss Personality Eastern Canada for 2022. And Milena Casanovichus, our community reporter in Halifax, will discuss. Will de sorry, will deliver details about the many celebrations going on now for African Heritage Month, uh, taking place in Nova Scotia. You know, I'm loving Paul so much of the content we're seeing around and places mm -hmm. where we just get to learn a little bit. We've talked about this with, mm -hmm. um, you know, so many opportunities to learn about Indigenous events, yes. happenings, history, whatever it might be. And we're seeing so much of this um, in one form or another uh, as we look at Black History Month. It's beautiful. Well, I think we I think we need to, to understand more our history, our, our past, so we can better plan for our future. You betcha. And like we always say, remember history so that we can make adjustments and grow from it. Correct. Thank you, pal. Take care, Kelly.
Producer from now at Day Brown, that's Paul Daniel. He joins us on the program to tell us a little bit about their show. They're available as a podcast if you want to catch up, but they're live on AMI-tv. Now at Day Brown at 9 a.m. in the morning, weekdays. Well, Brock, we're thinking that this is probably your final day with us co-hosting. Again, I'll put the thank you for making yourself available uh, to us and doing that. We expect Rumya back tomorrow on the show if all goes well. Um, and uh, thank you, sir. Yes, you expect to have your co-host back. We heard her voice earlier today and it seems like she's uh, ready to go back. So it was enjoyable to sit here with you over the past uh, five days split between uh, two weeks and uh, really got a new a new appreciation for TV and was able to get through it and uh, looking forward to more down the line. Thank you. Well, on tomorrow's show, Brock, uh, we're going to bring reporter Grant Hardy, and he'll be here to talk the latest in uh, accessibility, uh, lifestyle, and health on the show. Always love it when Grant brings so much to the table. Greg David from our Marketing and Communications Department breaks down the top five British detective TV shows available. So fascinating conversation there tomorrow. Yeah, it really will be. It's always fun on the show. We begin at 2 p.m. Eastern time. If you can join us for the live show, absolutely fantastic. If you can't, folks, you know, catch us whichever way you can. And remember, we're waving at you, wishing you a lot of safety. Our thoughts are going out to so many people out there in the world right now where there's a lot of unfortunate things going on. Our hearts are with you. Take care, folks. Good night. Hey guys, it's Brock Richardson who's been filling in for Romeo the last little while while she's been away. Kelly asked me to do today's vanity card and it didn't take me long to decide what it was I wanted to chat about. And that's going back to Danielle's Know Your Rights um, segment from the other day, talking about Indigenous uh, kids who uh, need funding because of some of the challenges that they go through. And it led me to talk about my challenges when I was growing up, and particularly after the age of 18. So let me give you a little bit of background. First of all, before I was 18, I went to this place called Arano Kids, which is a rehabilitation center in um, this neck of the woods. So in the Mississauga, Toronto area is where this is. And they would help you with different fine motor things and different... Uh, getting different assisted programs and assisted devices and things like that. And you would also get therapy and all those sorts of things. And you would be automatically eligible for it until you were 18. However, the second you turn 18, you would go to the transitions coordinator and you would be transitioned, quote-unquote, out of Arano Kids. And the transition coordinator would give you piles and piles and piles of paper to tell you where to go and what to do and where to turn when you needed X, Y, and Z. The problem is, is that when you're 18 years old, you're trying to think about what's next in life. What do I want to do next? Where do I want to go? What do I want to take for school? Those kinds of things versus where do I go to get the necessary help that I need? Where do I go to get swimming? Where do I go to get therapy? Where do I go to get all of those things? And so for me, and my family, I found it to be a real challenge. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.